Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. It was another crazy week. Of course, we had a report from the USDA midweek, but really not a lot of excitement. No surprise there for that February report. But it does set maybe the thinking tone, which we're going to talk more about today, is what we're going to see long term with these grains. We know there's a lot of outside market influence coming out of Brazil and maybe a smidge out of Argentina, but we've got weather issues. We've got box beef movement. We've also got the fact that we might see some seasonal highs going on for these livestock. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this week's report. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back. As you can see, joining me once again, Kyle Bumstead with Allendale. And then we've got Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And gentlemen, it is the time of year that I start to get anxious because I want to smell dirt and diesel. And I know we're only sitting in February, but we know very soon we'll be at Commodity Classic, which means those farmers to the south will already be getting those field uh, crops planted. Having said that, I want to get both of your spins on the report earlier this week, since there wasn't a lot of excitement in it. And the spin of the wheel, Kyle, the computer popped you up first. What are your kind of overall thoughts about the USDA report? Well, uh, everybody knows I'm not the biggest fan of USDA reports to start with, but uh, it really didn't uh, say much here, do much. They did, uh, you know, revise some of our uh, uh, export projections down here just a little bit too, but it's nothing the market didn't already kind of know and have priced in uh, per se. Uh, the chart action today was a little bit weak, but uh, on the report day, we had an outside day higher and then followed that by an outside day lower. So I think it's more technical selling. I, I don't really know the report had much effect on things. What about for you, Sam? What were some of your initial thoughts? Uh, just a snoozer. I, you know, I, I don't think USDA really had a lot of room to move at all on the bean balance sheet anyways. We got stocks to usage that's going to likely hover around 5% until we see some sort of a confirmed, uh, you know, shift of, of demand to Brazil. We continue to see sales uh, and shipments both, uh, you know, well ahead of pace. Uh, and I just don't think they had a lot on the vine to, to move either way. And I think you could say the same thing about corn. Uh, you know, the, the risk for corn, I think, moving forward is just uh, you know, if we see a lazy uh, energy trade and continuing to keep the margins thin, particularly in, in Western ethanol plants, uh, it just doesn't bode real well, especially with our export market being so far behind. I do believe that'll improve as we go into spring uh, and it'll be nice to see, a, you know, river systems, river systems more at a more normal level, I believe, as we enter that time frame. But we're going to be playing from so far behind, Susan, that uh, I don't think it's going to be enough to move the needle one way or the other. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think we're eventually going to shift the risk to the new crop contracts. And with that, we could see that gradual kind of bleed out of the market. We've seen that in basis already, uh, and that could eventually happen with the spreads as well. You and I were talking earlier in this week, and you brought up um, during our Fontenelle Final Bell program about some ethanol plants and, and the concerns that are happening um, with them as we get closer to spring planting. Yeah, you know, especially I mentioned out west, you know, with the competition with the feeder, uh, you know, they've continued to have to pay, uh, you know, well over $7 cash corn to continue to get that in there. Uh, and as we see the seasonal build coming in, in ethanol stocks, I think they're trying to get ahead of the game or at least looking out in time to, to not get trapped in this thing. Uh, a lot of politics involved, obviously, with the RFS and the enforcement of it, whether or not we're going to get E15 year round and all this. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it just reaffirms that we've got this glass ceiling on the market. And we saw Green Plains ethanol announce a 10% reduction in production 
across the board here. And I, I don't know if those would be the only ones out here that we'll see that with. We continue to see a big struggle uh, with hours at ethanol plants across the Midwest and, and with deliveries being behind, I think that's going to stretch into that April delivery time frame. Typically, we're at a time where basis uh, you know, should be narrow. All right. I want to throw this on, around to you, Kyle, because you live in in cattle feeding area. So what Sam's talking about, what type of pressure are you guys seeing in that competition to get those feeds? Well, yeah, for sure. There is competition out here um, locally, the local co-ops and the local ethanol plants. They are having to bid up here uh, to try to get some corn sourced in their direction as opposed to going to the feed yards, which feed yards are still bidding up for it. There's still cattle on feed. The yards are still full. So, I mean, obviously they're bidding up here and they, uh, the, the local processors, ethanol plants and local co-ops have had to uh, increase that. Even the local rail bids have had to uh, kind of increase just a little bit just so they can try to get some of that pulled away from the feed yards. All right, long term, we're going to look at the bigger picture. Let's start out with this um, meal market because it's been interesting as of late. We'll start with you, Kyle. Well, bean meal at $500 a ton. I mean, we could look at a chart and say maybe it's a double top, maybe it's not. But technically, if we go through that, I mean, there was a lot of uh, 520 bean uh, meal calls bought here today. So someone's thinking there might still be some upside. I know it's cheap insurance. Maybe it's a cheap spec play. Not sure what that is. But uh, bean meal up here, that is kind of telling me that Argentina doesn't have a crop. Maybe. Uh, the amount of beans it's going to have to go to Argentina from Brazil. Uh, maybe they're concerned about that as well, too. So definitely a, a market to keep our eyes on here. And if you're, you know, a producer or, you know, something like that who has got a lot of bean meal locked up with the at these levels, it may be advantageous to have some downside risk just in case this thing were to fall out of bed on a producer here that's got the bins loaded up for chicken producer, you know, chicken producer, hog producer, dairy producer, whatever it may be, maybe some cheap insurance to the downside. So it does help offset that. Sam, what about for you? Um, when you look at this Brazilian market and, and knowing that China is just waiting to get those fresh beans. Yeah, well, and, and you know, it started with that Argentina, you know, production problem. It's given us a little bit more of a uh, extended, you know, export period for us. And, and it is also creating a little bit of interest in that meal market. As you've already mentioned, we saw Decatur meal trade over 500 bucks a ton here on the, on the cash market. Uh, just this week. And if that, you know, continues, it's just a signal that, uh, you know, maybe the squeeze on the board isn't just all for nothing. So as we go into delivery here, it'll be interesting to see how lofty we can get there and how sustainable it is. Um, but when you got someone, you know, caught in there, uh, you know, you got to do what's got to be done. And I think as we see that uh, reverse, it'll be maybe a lot of interest in, in the meal oil spread all over again and what it could mean for the soy oil market in general as we get uh, closer to the summer driving season. So as we get ready to hit the middle of February, you know, folks are already going to be thinking about this crop that needs to get in the ground. Let's get uh, both of your perspectives, Sam. First of all, with long-term grain perspective, what are some things that you're going to be watching for knowing Mother Nature hasn't been the best going into this spring planting? Well, I think the first thing is where we just talked is, is it really starts with Brazil. You know, we, we've penciled in or even penned in a 155 million metric ton bean crop there. Uh, really at this point, there's probably no risk of a drought. They've been wet for too long. If there's a risk at this point, it's that they stay wet. Uh, we've seen some persistent rains already cause some uh, quality problems, but it's been in pretty isolated areas uh, and there's a lot of crop yet to be harvested. If we're still talking about this in three or four weeks though, uh, you know, we mentioned the risks are there with uh, protein content, just quality in general and overall yield. And if the market has to backtrack from the 155 million metric ton uh, number at a time where we're probably still going down with Argentina production, it's going to put a lot more pressure on a U.S. acreage battle. And I think that's where we start talking about our weather. The first thing I'm looking at is is uh, what type of precipitation we get in the, in the plains to facilitate uh, potentially more corn planting where dry land acres may not have normally facilitated that after the uh, the drought we had last year. So I think that's a big factor going into this year. I think that could range our corn acreage anywhere from 90 to 93 million. 
All right, Kyle, what about for you? What is your long-term grain thoughts? Long-term, I'm still watching those spreads out there in the new crop, new crop, uh, Dees Corn versus July. See what the commercials are really thinking there as far as the forward curve. Uh, right now, there's really no uh, incentive to uh, store bushels. They're still wanting the, the, the corn off the combine. Soybeans, same thing, that no versus Jan and no versus March bean spread out there. There's still some inversions out there, which tells us it's long-term, uh, fundamentally friendly. There's still some commercials out there that think, yeah, we, we've got to get some beans covered here uh, off the new crop. So I think uh, further out there is going to tell the story in the spreads if the commercials are really good bidding up the spreads like they have been in soybeans here lately, then uh, they're they're trying to buy some bean acres and maybe some of this acreage battle is already going on. Also, uh, like Sam said, the precipitation out here, we have had some uh, precipitation in the form of snow. It did let us know that we, we still can't get some precipitation out here in the far western Corn Belt, but uh, we still got a long ways to go before we stick the corn plant in the ground out here. Well, especially since, and I'm going to uh, glance here at my other computer monitor, as they were talking below average runoff continuing for the upper Missouri River Basin, though the southeast part of South Dakota got lots of water, so there are snow, so they're worried about some possible, you know, melt runoff from there. But the long-term picture for these rivers still isn't pretty. No, not out here in the western Corn Belt, for sure. What about you, Sam? What are you hearing about the rivers on your neck of the woods, including uh, the Mississippi? You know, we're still going to be uh, running on normal to slightly below normal draft levels. Uh, I think this rain that we've gotten this week will certainly help things uh, quite a lot. Uh, you know, we've seen quite a lot of snowpack in the Missouri and Colorado River basins, though. I do think you're going to see a decent improvement out there, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, equate to, you know, good crops necessarily. I think it's just about charging the system in general. And there's a long way to go before that's even done. So around here, I think it's more about the, the timeliness of that rain. Uh, typically in the springtime, we're going to get uh, at least something at some point in time. And uh, the question, like I said, is, is timing for not only the export market, but eventually getting our crops in in general. And of course, those farmers that closely watch those heavy fogs have written it on their calendar to see if 90 days out, we get some of those precipitations uh, throughout this spring. Want to switch gears quick and, and take a look now as we continue here with the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. What's been happening on the endless livestock side? And and first of all, I wanted to get your thoughts, Sam, on, on where we're seeing the movement of box beef. You know, we've seen a relatively strong market when you look at historical, you know, tendencies or historical numbers in general. We've seen a bit of a relaxation in some of the spreads of late. Uh, and I think this is kind of where we start to decide here over the next few weeks if we're going to see another leg higher in the cash market. And that may be a signal with this February going off the board. Uh, I think it's going to be necessary before we see, you know, the June and August contracts really leg up again. Uh, but in general, it's just hard to have not have an optimistic viewpoint with the herd liquidation that we've seen uh, and the challenges that we may still have this year with rebuilding that. Now, that the headwind there forces economic sentiment. But at the end of the day, uh, as long as the market's still there, we have to continue to feed it. All right, Kyle, are we going to get those seasonal highs that we normally get this time of year? That is possible, and we, we may be working on one right now. We do have a seasonal uh, that does uh, that has tended to work out very well in the past. Uh, April live cattle here on Valentine's Day typically does uh, tend to put in a short-term high, and then we kind of drift lower into the end of March before we start getting April into delivery. Now, uh, when it comes to the herd rebuilding and the cattle placements and things like that, we still have plenty of cattle on feed, and I know that the recent cattle on feed report, uh, everyone in the industry was talking about record low placements. However, we must keep in mind that when we were looking at these numbers here recently, 
those were compared back to record high placements. So we still have plenty of heifers in the feed yard on feed. There is some, there is, there, there are a few operations out there that are starting to buy heifers and uh, hold some back, but I don't see as it being huge in the industry just yet. Joining us today has been Kyle Bumstead and of course, Sam Hudson as well. And as we always like to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that aren't suitable to all investors. And that's been this week's version of the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff.